Awesome. Wasn't that beautiful? I just love worshipping Jesus, um, especially when you know him. Amen. Do you know that the cry of my heart is our journey even at 24-7 is that people might know him. Because when you don't know him, there's no faith, there's no understanding. Only he can ignite and um, this beautiful dance, romantic dance in the Lord with him. Just what comes to mind right now is, you know, just a quick little thought for every single one of us, just in terms of the Word of God, in terms of the Bible, in terms of why we study it, is in Mark chapter 4, it's a parable about the sower with the seeds. Hopefully we know it, right? And uh, Jesus says, uh, if you understand this par- parable, you understand them all. Uh, and the parables are like little stories. They give you nice little stories that try and uh, give you revelation on the Word of God and, and what the kingdom of God and what God's trying to sp- speak and say. Um, but just to encourage you, the reason why, if you understand that one, you understand them all, is because all the stories hinge around this story, is that Jesus is the living Word. He is the Word of God. He is the seed. And if we open our hearts, we let Jesus come in. It's a relationship with Jesus. If you understand that everything revolves around a relationship, you understand all the parables. Because then the lenses are all about this relationship of, of, with, with Him, with Jesus. Amen? So I, I, um, I just felt this morning, um, I thought last week, if you, if you, if you weren't here last week and you, and you, and you haven't heard uh, the preach from last week, I'd encourage you to go and listen to it. Uh, listen to the morning and the night. Um, the morning is quite um, powerful and uh, uh, straight truth. And then the night is unpacked a little bit more with a bit of um, faith and love. And uh, just helps us be able to take the Word of God and apply it. I mean, no, just preaching truth is not what God calls us to just do. Because just with truth, sometimes it can get us frustrated because we can see what we're meant to be but we don't know how to get there we don't know how to apply so you need to build you need to preach truth with faith and you need to preach truth in love because then love woos you and gathers you and faith enables you now to apply the word of god to to where we're going amen so i want to um hopefully just um pull some things in this morning just in around um just to build faith and love in what god's called us to amen a little while ago, we all said, yes, we're in. God, we, woo-hoo, we're going for it. Then he said, okay, awesome. Now let me just explain a little bit more of what that means. And then we went, woo and, uh, and now I just want the woo to go a little louder. And we'll bring the volume up again a little bit. So, um, yeah, let me, let me unpack a little bit. Let me... Let me I, I was so stirred during the worship that I, I was running to a whole bunch of scriptures, and I'm not sure if God was just for me or whether He wants me to just unpack this a little bit for somebody in the room. But um, can I can I start and maybe just journey a little bit? I love the word because it's such a journey and it's a beautiful. How many know this is this, this love story? And this unpack a little bit of a love story to to get to the woo woo part at the end, hopefully. So um, let me just say this: that God had such a desire. Um, 
to, to have a family. Um, and he created us because he wanted fellowship. He wanted to have this, these sons and daughters that he could commune with and have some fun with. And we read through the Word of God how he created Adam and Eve in the garden. And, and uh, for us here, we believe uh, that literally we don't believe it was some kind of picture story. Um, we believe that it was literally he created Adam and Eve in the garden and he was having this beautiful fellowship with them. And then they thought to themselves, okay, no, um, God, you've done everything for us. You've been so good. You've been so kind. Um, you've planted the garden yourself for us. You've given us everything, but we, we feel um, like we, can, we, got, we got this. Um, we can do this now. We can do this ourselves. Uh, and obviously, we know they fell, whatever, and sin came in. And ever since sin came in, you know, there was a separation um, from God and all the bad stuff in the world happened, right? Because of sin comes death. So but we don't blame it on God. He's got the worst rap in the whole world. Um, is that everyone blames him for all the stuff that's happening when man birthed it from the word go, right? I'm just quickly going through the platform. So, so understanding that, that in this relationship with God, it was almost as if all we had to do is just trust him, believe that he's good. We just relied on him and he gave us what we needed and we were just having this beautiful fellowship. And it really wasn't on us, it was all about him, right? Then when we sinned and we, we chose to go a route of ourselves, there's been a journey ever since. Okay, so then we've been on this journey. So how many know that to have a relationship with God, you need to be righteous? How many know He's a righteous God, He's perfect in all His ways, and to have a relationship with Him, you've got to be perfect in all your ways? So there are only two ways to get righteousness. One is the law, one is through grace. This is all in the Bible. I'm just going through it very quickly. And so man decided that he would go on this journey through law all the time, uh, trying to to, to do it all right, and the Word of God tells us that the, the law is a, is a composite whole, that meaning that um, you can get 99%, but you still fail, right? With the law, you have to get 100%, right? So, so man tries and tries, but he, no matter how good he was, he never managed to measure up, measure up. So you would never, ever be able to have a relationship with God through our efforts, through our doing, through earning, which is still what man tries to do even now. We call it religion. And um, for a lot of people, even in uh, church, in the freedom, in, 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 in the modern church, still try and mix law and grace. Amen? Because they, they don't see it as law. They just see it as, as I'm trying to help out God. Or maybe he needs a bit of help. Or maybe I, I, I'm just going to give my, you know, uh, five cents worth because it's important. He's got 95 cents, but I, I need to just top it up to 100, right? So, so, so that's kind of where man has sat. And, and so it is so beautiful. Why I say we're so in love with Jesus is because this, this understanding of salvation that we understand today, nobody would ever have come up with that other than God. It's just crazy. Every single religion is about efforts and earning and working and deserving and, and getting the, the brownie points. Who would have thought that the God, who's the God of everything, who's supreme, who created the whole universe, who created everything, would decide, oh, you know what, I'll come down. And actually, I will take their place. And then all they've got to do is just have faith in me. Who would have thought that? What a, what a crazy idea, Right? Um, because he's God. He just could say, listen, shh, let me try again. How many of you have been done stuff, whatever, and just gone, shh, 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 or shh, try again? And then God doesn't actually try again because he gets it right the first time. Oh, that could blow your minds. How about that? Did he get it wrong with Adam and Eve falling in the garden? Can God get it wrong? 
Oh, anyway, that's a sidetrack. I'll just leave that for a moment. Uh, anyway, he loves us so much. So here's this beautiful journey of God who's loving us so much, who sets us up with salvation through his son Jesus to make it perfect, secure, and beautiful so that we can be restored back and have this beautiful relationship with the Father. Amen? Isn't that, it's our lover, and, and, he, and he, he's, he's restored back this family um, in a, such a beautiful picture way. And the enemy has tried to destroy that picture ever since the beginning of time because that picture is marriage. He, he, he tries to destroy marriage all the time. And, and, you know, ah, marriage, it's a nightmare, and it's a shackle, and this and that, and what have you. Yet we've got this beautiful picture of God with His family, where Jesus is our bridegroom, and we His bride. Isn't that beautiful? And uh, we make ourselves ready for Him, and it's so beautiful that we can do that, and that we can lavish our attention, our affection on Him, preparing. Because I was just sharing in the, in the, in the prayer room, um, just before the meeting, um, you know how in, in the natural, um, you've got the, the bridegroom standing down on the bottom, and, uh, and he's looking down, and then the bride comes in from the back. And, and I've done so many weddings, and it's a privilege, but it's always a privilege when you watch the bridegroom. I did one recently, and um, the bridegroom was quite a big Afrikaans guy, and he had like seven uh, best men, you know, and he was, hey, half hour, um And then uh, the music started, and the door opened, and she walked in. Oh, forget Jomes, my buddy, whatever. <laughs> He just looked down, he saw her, and he is finished. It's just like, whoa. I mean, and she was whoa. So, but I can't say that because my wife's sitting there. Um, um, so, so he just looked down, and he was lost in it. And, and as I was just, we were praying this morning, I just, I saw us, I saw the bride standing down the front. And I saw the doors open. Sometimes, you know, in this life, it's, hey, it's cool, Tommy, it's like, uh, but man, when Jesus enters this life, and all the stuff just fades away. And it's <laughs> because he's that good. He is that good. We must never forget he is that good. Woo. You know, just to let you know that the Bible gives me a promise that it's the goodness of God that's going to cause people in the last days to return. It's the goodness of God. Not him whipping, not him trying to drive, not him trying to. It's, and, the, and the goodness of God is going to be seen through. His people. And, oh. So I felt in my heart just to read two scriptures and just to pull it all together and to help us, well, to read two scriptures and pull it all together with many other scriptures. Um, so I wonder if you can turn with me to Timothy. <laughs> 2 Timothy. Let's go to 2 Timothy. <laughs> uh. In the culture of being honest, I better just two scriptures, that would be a miracle. I just want you to know how much he loves you and how much he is so after you and for you and how much he wants to just be with you and love you in these days. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, if you just um, take the last word of chapter of verse 8. In my Bible, it's God. Right? just helps the context of verse 9, okay? God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested to the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death 
and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. Let me just start with the beginning there and say this. God who saved us, amen, this beautiful salvation, God who saved us. Every single one of us here who have given our lives to Jesus, it's such a simple act for me of all the stuff that we do and that we go through. Isn't it so beautiful that our Savior is just, it's a simple act. I don't have to do anything according to the law. It's a simple act of belief, of believing in what He did on my behalf. It's powerful that it can redeem and, 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 and take care of all that stuff. So that now when I look forward, I'm looking forward through the, the, rear, the front uh, windscreen, as it were. I was sharing with someone the other day and just saying that incredible picture of when you look through the rearview mirror, you can see what's in your car. When you look through the windscreen, all you can see is what's in front of you and where you're going and what God's got. When you're looking through the front, you can't see what's in the car. The good thing with Jesus is He removes everything out of the car as well. Amen? So that it's just as if justified, just as if we had never sinned. So salvation. So every single person, how many are born again here? Um, you would be quite happy to, yes, um, I'm saved. I believe the Lord has saved me. Amen? You can lift your hand if you want to. It's not, you don't have to be shy about your salvation. If you, if, it just means I realize, okay, a lot of people are not saved in this room. Okay. It's going to change my tactic a little bit. All right. Um, yeah, sinners. No. <laughs> no, 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 that's not funny. Shh. Okay, God who saved us and called us. We know that we're saved. How many know that you're called? Amen. You see, we, if you are saved, you're also called. It's beautiful in Romans chapter 8 when it talks about we've been predestined. We've been called. Every single person here has not just been saved. If you have been saved, you've also been called. And not just called, because it goes on to say, called us to a holy calling. Every single person here has been called to a holy calling. This is a treasure. This is, this is something that we've been set apart for. See, a lot of people in the body of Christ... They kind of sit there and they go, oh, Lord, I'm trying to find my way. I'm trying to fashion a career. I'm trying to um, sort of work my way and find. I'll take a year off just to find my way in life. Uh, when Jesus says, no, no, when you've been saved, you've also been called. Called to a holy calling. It's holy. You've been consecrated and set apart for that purpose. It just helps us. Amen? We're not drifting around like endless little, we're not buffeting uh, the air like a, you know, a shadow boxer or uh, air guitarist or whatever. Okay. Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works. Not because of our works. Woo, love that. You weren't called because of your works. How many know this? It doesn't matter even if you have gone through life and you have been trained and equipped in a certain arena, 
That doesn't automatically mean that God will use you in that arena. Not according to your works, but according to because of His own purpose and grace. Grace, is, His name is Jesus. His, he's the divine enablement in our lives to do whatever God's called us to, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. I don't think we'll ever understand that, but let me try and give you a couple of sentences to help unpack that. What he's talking about here is before even time began. So before even time began, he looked and he knew every single one of you, and he called you according to a purpose and a plan, and divinely enabled you through his grace, which was manifested when Jesus came. It's radical, that freaks me out, that God way before even time was in existence, actually knew me, and it shaped and formed me for a, pur- for a purpose. See, that makes me get very excited when I come into a knowledge of Jesus Christ, when I come into the family of God. I want to find out what He's called me to. His purpose that He had all along that designed for me, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ to abolish death and brought life and immortality to life. Just, just casually drops that in there. Who abolished death. And if we meditated on that as the church, we would realize, I don't know why the church has any fear of death because he abolished it. See, you and I are so captivated by the natural realm that we go, no, but we, we do die. Yeah, see, God's captivated by his realm. See, death for him, don't be worried about that something that can kill the body. Be worried about he, him who can kill the body and the soul in hell. See, death for God isn't just, oh, well, um, you know, it's all about the physical realm and and if you, if you step out of this realm. No, he's more concerned about where you step. We shouldn't have fear about that. We, we, we should be concerned about where, am I, where I'm stepping, right? And as the people of God, we should have an assurance that he abolished that and brought immortality to light through the gospel. Who <laughs> Superman. Immortal. Hallelujah. Because we're in Christ. And let me not get stuck on that. Um, Yeah, let me, let me just jump to it quickly, okay? Then my second scripture is just quickly to Romans, and I'll pull it all together, hopefully. Romans. Now, I want to just teach Romans very quickly in, in a few minutes just to simply say this. When you start reading Romans, I appeal to you, therefore, whenever you see the word therefore, we should all know, we want to find out what it's therefore, right? So whenever you read that word therefore, something is pre- Preceded, Elaine, my English teacher, has preceded so that we can understand what we're about to, to speak into. So what, when we look at this word, therefore, we have to look and understand that from Romans 1 all the way to Romans 11, God has been unpacking salvation. The miraculous grace of God, how beautiful the whole salvation is. Um, I love, I wonder, I want to do, I want to, I want to teach the whole of Romans um, which would take me to go to be with the Lord one day because it'll take years. But, but, uh, but Romans chapter 1 through to Romans chapter 11. If you, if you read Romans chapter 1 through to, up to Romans chapter 8, it's all about the grace of God. It's all about how Jesus redeemed us um, from the curse. Uh, we've been delivered from the law. Romans chapter 7 talks about we were married to the law and then um, in Jesus Christ we died to the law. We raised again in newness of life with Christ now. 
Uh, we're married to him, which is so awesome. Now we don't have this hard taskmaster law chasing us. Now we have this beautiful lover, right? Um, so you've got this beautiful uh, picture of the grace of God and, 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 and um, salvation. And then 1911 gives us a little picture. He unpacks a little bit of understanding of Israel. What's going to happen about Israel? If you want to know about Israel, just read chapters 9, 10, and 11. All the stuff that's going on in Israel, just read chapters 9, 10, and 11 of Romans. So now you've got all this gospel, beautiful salvation preached. And now he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. We have just seen the grace and the mercies of God. He's now saying, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. First and foremost, first application that he says is, here's the gospel, here's salvation, and the response to salvation, your appropriate and reasonable response to salvation, to the grace of God and to the mercies of God, is to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Amen. Who was the first one to give the greatest sacrifice? That was Christ. He came and he laid down his life for us. And now Paul says the appropriate response to the gospel is to lay your life down, to give your, your body, to say, Lord, you can have it all. Amen. So we've talked about, we've been unpacking a whole bunch of stuff, and we said, yes, this is the appropriate response to the gospel. We're just saying yes, where we're giving him our lives. How, how many know it's a living sacrifice? Um, he doesn't want cooked brah meat. He wants a living sacrifice of people whose lives have been laid down and submitted to his purposes and his plans, right? We just read about the purposes of God, and now it's a life that's laid down for those purposes, and that's just our reasonable or a spiritual worship, right? And do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing uh, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Isn't that beautiful? God's saying, listen here, um, this is my salvation that I've given you by my grace and my mercies. Now we present our bodies. We surrender totally to Him. We yield totally to Him. And now we, we allow His Word to transform our thinking and understanding. Because as we do that, we start to realize, wow, okay, this is His will. This is what He's called me to. It's good. Woo, this is really good. Thank you, Lord. No, 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 that's acceptable. That's, that's just perfect. See, this is the unpacking now of the gospel. I'm just trying to say the gospel. See, because when you go and stand up there and you go, ah, the Lord's saying now you must die, you suckers, and uh, suffer for the gospel, we all go, whoa, hold on a minute. I didn't see that in the, in the terms TNCs, in the bottom little thing there, what conditions are this? No, no, no. So, so that's not what God's trying to concentrate on. What he's trying to explain to us, first of all, is this journey of the gospel that we're, he's invited us into. Right? So once you understand the gospel and what he's invited us into, then you understand that it's not quite like that because it's not a contract and there's no T's and C's. It's a relationship. Amen? I didn't sit down with Jane and say, hold on, let's go through the T's and C's here a little bit. Some things that I'm... No, no, I didn't. I actually just said, I'm in love with you. You're in love with me. We are going to embark on a relationship where we can be a blessing to one another, help one another, be there for one another, etc., etc., etc. So that's the focus. The focus is always on how we can um, be a blessing to one another, how we can um, cause this relationship to flourish and grow, right? Okay. So let me get down to verse uh, something, because I haven't got my glasses on. Um, 
It's in the Bible. It's the next one after the one I've just read. <laughs> for, did you pray for, for sight, eh? Over 50s. Come on. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he, more highly than he ought to, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that has been assigned. Don't you just love that? I love that because we just quickly gloss over that. But you know what? You know what? When you come across a guy who's a little bit, uh, he's a little bit up there, he has quite an opinion of himself. You know that? The guy can do anything. He's Superman. Whoa, yeah, I can do it, baby. Um, but you just need to be sober. A little bit sober. Yes, you need to be sober. Uh, amen. <laughs> and uh, not to think of yourself more highly, because each one's been given a measure of faith that God has assigned. Now listen to this. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. So we're individually members, but we're individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his ex exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you just love that though? Just by the way, for those uh, business people out there too, the one who contributes, it's talking about gifts. It's actually a gift. The one who contributes in generosity. Isn't that powerful? I just love that. But anyway, let me just uh, carry on with what I was trying to say is that it's one body with many members. Individually, but all one body. So we've got this beautiful one body, all individual members, and each one has a function. They do not all have the same function. And having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, we use them, right? So what you have to do now is, how do you find fulfillment? We find fulfillment by finding where we fit in the body of Christ. We find fulfillment by what God's called us to and predestined us for, in our function. Because when you find that place, two things happen. One, you have faith for that function. A lot of people in the body of Christ striving or trying to have more faith because they're not in the function that God called them to. So now we fit in there and also we have the gifts in order for us to operate in that place. Woo. I'm telling you, when the body of Christ understands this and finds their place, you then it doesn't matter. Because, friends, let's be a little bit realistic here. We don't look at our, our, our body and kind of look at it and go, oh, no ways, um, that's not so lacquer, and, and why don't you? It's almost like if my feet got upset and decided, I want to be a hand because I'm down there in these, in these shoes, right? And then you can say, okay, so... So now my foot says, let's go. Like I say, it goes up here and it now tries to be a hand. <laughs> so you just try, well, not, maybe not Grant, Grant, this won't apply, but maybe to everyone else, try walk on your hands. Because <laughs> he can walk on his hands quite comfortably. Well, relatively comfortably. Relatively. But, but how many know that it wasn't designed for that, right? So if you take a simple thing like a duck, Right? Duck, quack, quack, a duck, right? You take a duck and you're a, like a duck in water, man. You look at that duck and it's going in the water. You don't know those feet are going 
underneath the water, but it's so cool in the water, right? Ducks look cool on, in water. They're great. But then they come out the water, and they're like, they look like retarded um, because it's, it's not, they're, they're, they're not built for outside water, right? They've got these big fat feet, and they, they're clumsy, and they just like, but in water, see what we call to. What God has predestined, what God has purposed for us, there's grace for it. The gifts are there. There's faith for it. When I'm, I'm like a duck in water. Ooh. Amen? It's just perfect. But, and it might be or might not be your works and how you've been designed and what have you. See, because it's not according to works. It's according to His plan and His purpose. And I want to say this. Just drop this out very quickly and say this. One of the challenges for, for every single one of us is to do this thing in our own strength. It has been the default since Adam and Eve. We want to just, that's why I was sharing a little about law. We want to chip her back into that we can actually do this thing. But we can't, friends. And so sometimes, like in 1 Corinthians, I think it's chapter 1, 2, 3. I can just keep going, but anyway. <laughs> where it talks about how um, the, the, God takes the foolish things of this world. Because often He calls us to where we're not gifted. He calls us where it's, we're actually not trained in that. Why? Because he wants me to be humble enough to rely on him. But not always. Sometimes he uses us because he's God and he can do whatever he wants to do. But when we are totally yielded and reliant on him, then he can actually operate and he gets all the glory. Amen? Is there some water here? Because I feel like I'm spitting in my own hand here. Um, so, thanks, Robs. So, so what I wanted to impart or share is that we've got this design that God's made where he's the... He's the, the head and that we're the body. And that we come along and He's called us. We find our function um, just because we can and, I, and it comes to mind. Let me just quickly, I'll read you. You don't have to go there. I'll read you um, uh, Ephesians 2. Let me read you Ephesians 2 quickly. Uh, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Amen? Thanks, Robs. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. So I can't take, uh, I didn't, didn't happen to me. As I shared in the very beginning, I was saying that we, we, we don't understand this gospel and we can't believe this gospel. We've got a veil over our eyes. God has to come along and rescue me. God has to come along and break into my life. God has to come along and speak to me. Because how does He do that? By giving me faith. See, by grace, I've been saved through faith. So I didn't choose. He called me. That's why it's just a radical thing. That's why this is the starting point of falling in love with Jesus. It's here I am. I was separated from God. I'm unrighteous. I don't know how to get righteous. Uh, if I try and do it in my own strength and the law and obey the whole law, invariably I cannot get there because I'm going to fail somewhere. Every single time when I fail, then this thing is just a no-hope situation. But God comes along and He says, okay, I choose you, son. I didn't find Him. I wasn't looking for Him. I didn't even, didn't even know Him. He came along and He rescues me and He chooses me. And then not only does He choose me, but He gives me the faith to understand and believe what He's just told. Isn't it powerful? That's, just the, that's when you fall in love with Him. You go, really? I'm mean, so grateful. Like, there's thousands of people that don't know you, Jesus. They're going to hell. You chose me and then you gave me the faith to believe. Wow. And you brought me back into a relationship. Man, I really am enjoying this relationship. I'm in. My hand's in. Okay, Lord, I want to know you more. It's our starts, okay, and the journeys, right? But then listen to this. It says, uh, not as all the works, and then we should boast. In, in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, 
Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. <laughs> Sorry, read that again. I don't know. For we are his workmanship. Just by the way. I don't even need this. Hello. Hello. You can tell I haven't preached for a while. I'm getting quite excited and liking this. Um, thanks, Con. No. Um, <laughs> um, isn't this beautiful here? Because you know that word workmanship. That word workmanship, the Greek word there is poema. From which we get our word? Poem. We always poem. Ooh. You know, for some of the guys, man, they go, poem. Like a, you know, we his, we, his poem. It's beautiful that. He's writing this beautiful poem, this lavish poem. But when did he write it? Which God prepared beforehand. He prepared beforehand. He wrote this poem about me. He said, Ooh, Granty, my boy. Such an awesome this, that, and the other. I won't add anything there. Just let me just write this. And he prepared it beforehand. Then I come along now and, and I go like, Lord, what have you got for me? And he goes, Man, just sing this poem. And my life now. Beforehand. So I'm just stepping into all that he's called me to. Oh, isn't it beautiful? So now we talk about the body, we talk about operating and working together and functioning exactly where he called me to. There isn't competition, we're not competing, we're not, we, we just love it, right? That's why God spoke to us, even through lockdown, talked about the heart. Because you see, Jesus ahead, the heart's in the body. Holy Spirit is in the body, and Holy Spirit sends the blood where he wills. And guess where he wills? Is there any part of your body that doesn't have blood? Please come to the front now. <laughs> we urgently need to lay hands on you. But the blood just flows throughout the body to every single part. And every single part is bigger, smaller, different, and, and, but every single one needs the blood. But how many know that just as much as it needs the blood, it doesn't store blood? Because how many know if you get a clot, what happens to your heart? You have your heart to death. The reality here, friends, we've got to understand this, that God is so in control and orchestrating such a powerful picture here that every single one of us is just beginning to operate. And it doesn't matter if each part, you might need more blood, you might need less blood. The important thing is that you function fully and that you operate the way God designed you to comes to mind, I could even use blood as a, as a financial analogy. Not to take it too far. Amen? There's no dams in your body. The heart pumps everywhere. And if some needs more, it, it gets more. Just so that it can function fully to what God's called it to. It's so beautiful. Amen? Moving on from that analogy. So, when we read this, oh, I jumped out of the lot. Let me go back to Romans. So Romans 12. So when we read this, um, for one body, many members, the members do not all have the same function. So we, through many in one body in Christ, individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. And we use them um, as God has designed every single one of us to be used. So, so can I just encourage us now with this beautiful picture? 
I want to encourage us now and say there's this, this, this design and this plan that God has. I get invited into it. I've already been called and I've already been shaped and I've already been molded and I've already been uh, orchestrated exactly as to where I fit, how I operate and what I do. So I've never really seen stewards busy talking to the owner, or let's just use words that we can understand, employees. The employer comes in, he says, right guys, um, we're going to work from 9 to 5, and I need you to, um, you know, clean these these machines. And the employees go, "Uh, that's very good of you, let's just have a quick little meeting here. Um, 9, is good? No, too much traffic. Uh, No, 9.30. We will be coming here at 9.30. Uh, cleaning, eh, not so good. How many have ever seen that? Okay, you might have actually in this, in this day and age. You might have. That's very careful what I say there. No. The reality is, friends, as stewards, the owner tells us what, what we're meant to do, right? And then as, 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 as stewards, we just do what he's calling us to do. God's mobilizing the body of Christ right now. And he's asking every single one of us to come before him and to say, Lord, you've called me with a holy calling. I've been set apart for a purpose right before time began. I've got good works that you prepared for me beforehand. I want to operate and work in those because as I begin to operate, I'm going to be like a duck in water, man. I've been feeling a little bit out or I don't know what I'm called to. And this has happened and that's happened. And as if God didn't know any of that, he did. That's why he's orchestrated all of it ready. So whether you're 80 years old, He's still got a plan and a purpose because the function still continues. Amen. How many know Romans 11, whoops, 29, um, says the gifts and the calling are irrevocable. You can't lose it. It's there. It's there over your life. God's called you to this. So God is now mobilizing all of us, putting us in our rightful places now. Woo, power of God. And now as we begin to operate and do that stuff, we don't have to compare. We're all together in this thing. Some might have a little bit more wear and tear. So sometimes we stand up here and speak the truth and say, hey, listen, we need to have a doctrine of suffering. Right? But the reality is, hey, sometimes it does take a bit of strain. Sometimes I have to sit down and go, flap, my feet are aching. But I'm not, my whole body's not going, whoa, thank God, we didn't, whew, we were, I'm not the foot, I'm like a, a you know, no, it's, it's, it's the, the, to get the job done, we all have to function, and sometimes others are working, my fingers sometimes are working radically hard, amen. See, what happens today is that you've got, you, this finger just operating by itself is, that's not, doesn't give the full function and the full reach and the full mobility of what God's called us to do, right? Even a couple of fingers together still doesn't help. Even one finger on a hand doesn't help. No, we're the church. We, we gather at uh, Mug and Bean and uh, a couple of us fingers. Right? <laughs> to be the effective body, the fingers need to be on the hand. The hand needs to be on the arm. The arm needs to be attached to the torso. The torso needs to have a couple of working organs inside of it. And all of this together causes us to do what God's called us to do. Amen? And they're not competing against each other. They're just operating and they're working. And all for us to do it, sometimes there's a bit of wear and tear on certain areas, whatever, and God gives the grace and, uh, and the divine enablement to do that and the gift, gifting to do that. Amen. And as we do that, all of that, I want to say this, that we do it all 
not because of law, but we do it because of love. That's what it's all about. It's love lived out. We're doing it because we're in love, not because of law, not because we're dictated to. We're not focused on suffering. We're focused on Him. He's our lover. We love being with Him. We love doing what He's called us to do. Amen. And I'm kind of running out of time um, because I wanted to give you a couple of illustrations. Have I got time, Lord? Um, I'll give you a couple of illustrations just so you can just get it's so beautiful in the Bible and then we can um, let me, if you want to go to um, go to Habakkuk Habakkuk if you go to Genesis turn right if you uh, go to Matthew turn left <laughs> um, one of the minor prophets Nahum Habakkuk let me just read you quickly Habakkuk 3 I will love this Verse 17, though the fig tree should blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Okay, that's just basically saying uh, everything is gone. It says, but, look what it says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, and I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Woo. Isn't that powerful? So you know what he's just telling you? I've, I don't know what happened. My cows have bolted. My crops, the locusts chowed them all. Um, my fruit trees are just bare. They've got nothing on them. But yet I will rejoice in the Lord. What's he trying to tell us? He's not trying to say, well, you know what? That's your, unfortunately, no. What he's trying to tell us is that his joy is not found in that. His joy is found in the Lord. Amen. So what we do, our joy is found in the Lord, not in that. That's the heart of the people that he's mobilizing. They're about the body. My joy is in working together and achieving what God's called us to do. I have such joy that Connor is in Cape Town. I'm not sitting there saying, Pip, why didn't they invite me? Cape Town, man. I could go have a lekker jaw there, a bit of a surf. And No, I've got such, I've got such joy because the body is reaching. This little body is reaching all the way to Cape Town. Whoa. Man, that's powerful. Amen. So now quickly they will go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm just moving fast through a few of these. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I should really do this better, but anyway. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. If you jump to verse 8, it says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. So he actually calls this love. Paul, what is this love? It says here that these churches in Macedonia, in a severe test of affliction, so they were under affliction, the abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. So yeah, they're under extreme affliction. They're in, in poverty, but they are so full of joy. That's just crazy. Anything that's just like, wow. They are so joyful that their joy 
out of the expression of their joy, they give, they want to give to Paul so that he can help those in need. It's just, it's just crazy. So what our first thing I want to do is I want to say, Paul didn't go, um, Lord, I don't know if I can write this in here, this whole affliction and, uh, and a little bit of poverty because um, it's not quite biblical. I don't know if we understand here that they had such joy because they found it in, in Jesus. Now, I am all for that God takes us out of poverty, takes us out of our afflictions. But what I'm saying, trying to say here is that this is the Word of God written straight from heaven and it's telling us here this group of people that were so in love, even though they were challenged and had some difficulties, they were so in love. See, love isn't just an action. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 3, you can give your body to be burned. You can give away all you have, but if you don't have love, profits you, zero. Love isn't just an action, see. Why am I saying this to you? I'm trying to encourage you that in the Word of God, it teaches us to, be, to lose ourselves in love with God and that our joy, we find our contentment and our, our, our everything is found in Him. That's what's guaranteed. The rest, we, we outwork in terms of the Lord. So then Paul can say, I've learned to be content in whatever situation I'm in. He didn't wobble in the situations because God had said, listen, um, what I'm going to do is make sure that you are going to be pumping all the time. Um, he said, just learn to be content. I mean, that's where my love is. That's where my joy is. I've learned to be content. Yes, is God leading me? Is God enough? Yes, He is. Because He left us Holy Spirit. Right? So I end with two stories. One of them, I'm sure, um, was a story that I heard Derek Prince say many years ago. But anyway, if I didn't, Derek, wherever you are in heaven, uh, forgive me. But uh, let, me, let, me, let me just say this. Two, two quick stories of, of um, a guy. Let me just say it like this. A guy is now going to go on a journey. And when he goes on a journey, he's going to go from A all the way to B. And to get to B, he's got to go through uh, um, uh, quite a bit of challenges. There's uh, jungles and, and there's rivers and there's cliffs and there's all kinds of stuff. And then so he's given the option. It says you can either take a map or you can take a guide. And he thinks to himself, you know what? Awesome. I am a highly intelligent, really good guy. I can read maps. I'm really good. I did scouts um, or cubs or whatever he did. And he, and he says, okay, no, give me the map. So it's really cool. The first couple of days, whatever, he's going along. He goes, oh, man, it's like a breeze, man. Going along the highway, it's all cool. And look at this. Oof, I can read this. Look at there. And, uh, and then suddenly it um, gets a bit dark. Suddenly can't really kind of navigate with those beautiful streetlights that I was walking next to. And now as it gets dark, whatever, I'm seeing a whole bunch of trees. And I can't see the wood for the trees. And now I'm in this whole thing, whatever, and I'm walking along there. And the next minute, poof, I come right to a cliff. And I'm going like this, okay, I don't know what is north, south, east, or west. I don't know if the map's this way, that way, whatever. I'm completely lost. Okay, help. Then a little voice says to him, you want my help? I can help you. He goes, yeah, look, I don't know where the heck I am. It's okay, let me help you. Takes him all the way through. Because you see his map, it just showed a whole bunch of trees. It didn't show the jungle. So then he gets back, 
He's back on the road again. He goes, okay, starts walking for a little while. And he thinks, you know, why did I panic? Actually, I don't know why did I lose my cool there, whatever. I'm, 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 you know, I'm good. I'm back now. I'm on track. It's fine. I can do this. This is really good. Let me just read this map. And he goes, reads the map, and it goes, oh, that's really nice. This is nice dirt road over here. Um, I'll just go along there. He goes along there. Next minute, he steps into sinking sand, and he starts to sink. And the more he tries to get out of it, the more he's sinking. And a little voice says, can I help you? <laughs> and he goes, um, I think I do need help, right? And so tree that's next to the thing falls down, grabs the tree, <laughs> pulls himself out, um, gets back on track, whatever, and then he's standing there and he's going, um, I could just take the map now or I could use the guide. How many know the map is the law? How many know the guide is the Holy Spirit? See, God gave us a guide. He gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us because we've not been this way before, right? Give you the second story and I'm landing. Yeah, I think it's Genesis 24. I think it's in Genesis 24. In Genesis 24, there's a story about Abraham wanting to go find a wife for Isaac. And so he sends his steward or his servant to go find a wife. Now, I'm not advocating this practice for parents or for people. I'm just telling you what was in the Word of God, <laughs> right? But it's a beautiful picture because Abraham is a picture of God the Father. Isaac is a picture of God the Son. And he goes to find a wife, Rebecca, who's the, the, the lady that he finds, is a picture of the church. But in the story, guess who is the unknown? who doesn't even have a name, the steward. See, the steward is a picture of the Holy Spirit. If you, if you were to read that story, I'll give it to you very quickly. If you understand that, that Abraham says, all right, you've got to go off now. I want, somebody, I want you to go back to Mesopotamia and find somebody back that's of, our, of our family um, to marry Isaac. Um, you can't, we're not going to marry from here. And, and he's not going back there. He's in this land. Such a powerful picture there of what God's brought us into this land. And, uh, and God wants us to multiply in this land. Right? Anyway, let me not get sidelined with that. So he goes all the way back. And when he goes back, he says, Lord, um, if you will... Um, and uh, oh, just by the way, just lovely, also beautiful pictures is that... Um, he takes uh, gifts, because in those days in the Middle East, um, you used to give gifts, you know, and if you accept the gift, you accept the person. So he took gifts, and how many know that um, he took a lot of gifts because he took 10 camels? So if you know uh, a camel, um, not that any of us know camels, <laughs> but a camel can, can carry a huge weight, right? Can carry a huge load. If you see pictures, you see these massive loads on camels. So now he's got 10 loads on the camel. So he must have been taking a lot of stuff. Uh, so he was really after a serious bride. Anyway, let's not get sidetracked. So, so now the 10 camels, off they go. Then he says to the Lord, and he stops at the well, and he says to the Lord, the women are going to come out. Now they're coming out to the time it is to, to, to water uh, their livestock and to, and to get water. And he says, the woman that comes and gives, offers him something to drink and then also offers his camels. Now, 
let's just quickly go and get, now I studied this about camels, but did you know that camels can drink 40 gallons of water? So that's 400 gallons. So that's one serious lot of work for somebody to actually water your camels. So he says, the person that comes and offers to give me a drink and then also offers to water my camels, that'll be the one that you've chosen. So they come along or whatever, and then this lady comes up and says, can I give you a drink? And he goes, oh, thank you very much. She gives him a drink. And then she says, can I also water your camels? And, uh, and he goes, ha, you've got it. And then he takes um, a beautiful um, ring, and he takes um, beautiful uh, wrist, what do we call them? Bracelets, that's the word, thank you. Um, and, and he lavishes, lavishes her with it. Um, and we know that Rebecca, uh, he, he says, where, where do you stay, whatever, and they, can he go back, goes back, whatever, speaks to the family and says, I want to have her, take her back for my master son as a bride. And they go, um, oh, can we just stay for like 10 days? Can you imagine with my daughter? And Can she not just stay for 10 days? He goes, listen, please don't um, stall my journey. Can she go right now? And he says, well, you'll have to ask her. And he asks her, and she says, yes. Fascinating story. Um, but just think of uh, Rebecca as the bride, and um, the steward comes and tells her something, and she, she is only responding to what he says. She doesn't even know where they're going or what she, she has no idea. And then he offers and lavishes her with gifts, and she accepts those gifts. Because in that culture, if she had rejected those gifts, she rejected him. See, God's called us as a church, and he's given us gifts. How can we be the bride if we, don't, if we reject the gifts? But he gave us Holy Spirit to direct us based on his word. We trust him. Amen? So my, my, my encouragement today is, is on this day of Pentecost, um, when God lavished, God lavished us with His gifts, gave us the gift of Holy Spirit in our lives. It's, it's for a purpose. It's because He's the one who wrote the map. He knows the journey. So it's for us to now to accept and to walk in that which He has given us. As the people of God, it's it's just, a, it's, a, it's so beautiful. If I can throw this out too, just to stir up you to want to study more on the Word. From um, Ascension Day to Pentecost is 10 days. The number 10 in the Bible is testing. Because it's about a testimony and about a trust. Ooh, I could get sidetracked very quickly now. All you've got to do is go look at the 10 plagues. You've got to look at the Ten Commandments. The tithe is a ten. Ten is a testing, friends. It's a testing because it's about our testimony. The Holy Spirit come ten days. Ten days. Isn't it interesting that Jesus went to over 500? He invites 500 in, waits 10 days, there's 120. There's a testing. What happened to the 318? I don't know. That's why there was a delay, because there was a testing. Why? Because there's a trust, because there's a testimony. 
because they're going to be empowered from on high by the Holy Spirit. Because they're going to yield and trust Him to walk in the way that God's called them to, to do what He's called them, called them to do, called them to do. I didn't mean into American there. Hey, man. <laughs> and there's a divine purpose and a plan. <laughs> it's American. <laughs> Where did the American come from? Oh, it's in the name of Jesus. <laughs> so, well, shall we stand to our feet before, before the American comes back? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we love the Americans. <laughs> no wonder I never get invited there. <laughs> no. So what I wanted to stir up this morning, and we've, we're out of time, but I wanted you to stir up in our hearts that we're so blessed. We're so, we've so been orchestrated by God to be chosen by Him, to be um, loved by Him, and to be positioned right at this time now. Um, we know we've given our yes. We know that it, we've given our all. We know that it's going to cost. We know that we may have to push through and there might be some challenging times. We, we know that there, there, will, there, will be, there will be things and, 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 and obstacles and stuff um, as, we, as we journey. But, but the point is not to look at those. The point is to look at Jesus. The point is to be in love with Him. The point is to know that that we have everything that we need for this journey that He's about to uh, launch us into. And every single one of us is different. That's why there's no comparisons and comparing and, and no, no um, jealousy or, or covetousness in, 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 the, in the Bible in terms of uh, the journey of God. Because He will give you every single thing that you need. I love when He's talking to Peter and then He's going, Peter, this is what's going to happen. And he turns around and he sees John. And I can imagine John. He's just like behind there, and, um, and he's going, and, and what's going to happen to him? And he says, don't you worry about him. Let me talk to you about you. And I, I'm almost like, as the body of Christ, we're going, whoa, man, don't worry about him. Just what is God saying to you? You do that well. He's going to love you for that. And whatever he's going to do, you're going to love him. And we're going to do this thing together. And we're going to overcome together. And we're going to triumph together. And uh, for some, it may be uh, more costly. And for others, uh, they may get lavished more. It's not the point. It's gone quiet now. Because the reality is, friends, it's Jesus who has purposed and planned, not us. And this is not something that we can take ownership of. We're just stewards. But Lord, I studied, I did this, that, and the other. I sweated. I, I worked so hard now for this, so I deserve this. And he says, okay, you can have it. But I just need rent for being on my planet. I need you to give me rent. Also pay me for my oxygen that you're breathing. And <laughs> no, I'm teasing. <laughs> what I'm saying is that we can't take ownership of anything. We are just stewards of all that God's given us because we have died. We've been made alive in Him. So on, on this day of Pentecost, I want to pray over every single one of us for a fresh infilling of Holy Spirit. I want Holy Spirit to just fill us, to fall upon every single one of our lives right now. Um, but I want us to understand, too, that why Pentecost happened, <laughs> why Holy Spirit came to fill us. Because He came to empower us. He came to be the God. He came to lead us. He came to bring us a testimony. And that's why we were tested. And for some of you, you might feel like, sure, this, this, I feel like I've been stretched and tested. But man, it's, it's for your testimony. 
Because you're going to carry the Holy Spirit. And you're going to see such beautiful signs, wonders, and miracles operating through your life. And it's because it's for His glory and for His testimony. But it's because you've been found faithful. And I feel like there's been a season over the last few years where God has been stretching and working on uh, His church, um, on their faithfulness. But now it's almost like those that have been found faithful, God wants to release now uh, over their lives. And, uh, and man, everything becomes dim in the light of, of Him and His glory. And yes, we may suffer. But this momentary light affliction <laughs> is storing up for us an eternal weight of glory. That's how Paul saw it, just momentary light. And if you read what he went through, well, it doesn't sound momentary and light, but, but the reality is, friends, he saw Jesus. So, Father, I pray today for every single one of us. The starting point is for us to see Jesus. I'm asking this morning that we would encounter him more and more and more and more. Father, is anybody here this morning who's never encountered Jesus? Maybe they've never met him? And I want to encourage you that whatever you've heard, all the stuff that may be negative, that this sort of God is sitting there judging, He's looking at all your faults that you can't measure up to. I want you to realize today that that's been a lie. It's a lie of the enemy. Because when God looks at your life, He sees a treasure. He sees a son and a daughter that's lost. He sees a son and a daughter that needs saving. And he was prepared to give everything. That's your value. You might ask me this morning, well, how do I know my value? I don't feel I'm very valuable. Well, the way you can tell value is by what somebody's prepared to pay. So you can put a, put a price on your house and say six million rand. But if somebody's only prepared to pay two million, that's the value, two million. Well, Jesus was, well, God was prepared to give his only son. That's the value that he places on your life. He considers you the most valuable treasure that he gave his all. You are valuable. You are precious. And he loves you very, very much. And all he asks this morning is that you just simply acknowledge that without him, that you're a, a sinner separated from Him, and for eternity, when you step out of this body on this earth, you will eternally be separated from God, which is not a nice place because apparently the Bible refers to it as weeping and gnashing of teeth, talks about a lake of fire, talks about eternal pain. It's not a good place. But when we've given our lives to Jesus, we have been restored back into fellowship and relationship with God again. And now He's given us Holy Spirit inside of us. And it divinely enables us to do whatever He's called us to do. Because I'm not living 
just for now. But I'm living for the eternal. I'm living for the everlasting. I'm living for the forever in God. And right now, while I have on this earth, whatever the length of time I do have on this earth, I want to get to know Him. I want to please Him. And I want to journey with Him in whatever He thinks suits me best. Because when I fit into that place, I am fulfilled. Man, there's nothing better for a knee when it actually fits in the actual knee place. A knee doesn't look lacquer on the hand and it's always unfulfilled and always praying for faith and I need more gifts and I need this, that, and the other. But you're most fulfilled when you fit into your place. And so I pray today for every single one of us, Lord, that are born again, that have been saved. We've also been called to a holy calling. We've been set apart for a purpose, for God's purpose and plan. We've been set apart. We're His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which He prepared beforehand. So, Lord, we are mobilizing as a church, getting ourselves ready right now, saying, Lord, You've given us gifts. You've given us faith for that which You've called us to. Lord, we want to be the best at whatever function and place that is. We want to be uh, pumping in that area, Lord God. Like if it's to teach man with zeal, if it's to give man with generosity, if it's uh, with mercy man to be lavishly merciful. We want to do it well. We want to do it with excellence. So I pray today, Lord God, that as we yield to you, Holy Spirit, right now, as you come, as you fill every single one of us right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would begin to reveal and show us what you've called us to. That you begin to reveal and show us how we can begin to outwork and do that in Jesus' name. In our workplaces, in our families, in our relationships, in everything that we put our hand to, Lord. We want to do it well. So won't you come, Holy Spirit? We choose we say yes to you. We say, come, be our God. Be the one who leads us. Be the one who teaches us. Be the one who empowers us. We acknowledge your gifts. We receive the gifts that you have for us right now. Lord, I thank you for faith in every single heart. To each one has been given a measure of faith. Enough faith for that function that you've been called to. And Lord, we want to grow in faith as well. We want to get better and better as we begin to operate in the kingdom. So I'm just praying right now in the name of Jesus that you would come and fill every single person right now. I'm asking it in faith, Lord, every single person right now. As you open your heart, just think of yourself as a vessel and think of God just pouring in, pouring in the oil and the wine, pouring in the oil and the wine. Just right now, just receive as God begins to refresh, and begins to pour in, pouring it in into your life, that you're this huge container of Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit wants to saturate and fill every single part of your being. If you've never given your heart to the Lord, then it's just opening your heart and, say, and saying, Lord, come, come and have your way in my life. Come, come and make me new. Starts simply with a, a, a renewing. It starts with accepting Him or receiving Him to come in. 
Bible says it's, a, it's that he calls it a born again experience. It's almost as if the Bible says we were dead. As Saul was reading in the Bible, we've, we've been taken out of the dominion of darkness into his marvelous light. It's almost as if there was just darkness in our hearts and lives. God comes and makes us alive again. It's like we're born again in the spirit. We're born again. We become, he st- we step into, out of darkness into light. He makes us new. And then he fills us with his life so that we can walk this journey having been forgiven. Every bit of sin, condemnation, guilt, shame, broken off our lives, takes care of it by the blood of Jesus. He removes it from us so that we can be, look out the front windscreen and have a future and a hope. So God, I thank you for those that are receiving you for the first time. Thank you for those that are, are, are just drinking again from you, Lord God. We may have got just a little bit dry. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're filling us right now in the name of Jesus. But thank you, Lord, that the Spirit of God is at work in this place, in every life, in the name of Jesus. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done over every single person here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, right now. Thank you, Lord, right now that you are releasing gifts, gifts of the Spirit into lives. I just saw the Lord just beginning to just release. So just... Just open your arms and just say, thank you, Lord, for every single gift that you want to bless me with right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Just receive that right now. Thank you, Lord God, that you're putting us in our place so that we can function according to your purpose in Jesus' name. Lord, I just thank you for this family. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing right now, that you're mobilizing us. You're mobilizing us wonderfully, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord God, that we can begin to have boldness and faith to begin to step out in those arenas and those places that you've called us to. We can have a confidence. Man, I'm so confident from a finger. I'm so confident that I can operate as a finger, that we would operate with confidence and boldness now in every single area that you've called us to, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this body looking, looking so awesome with a six-pack and uh, nice, Lord God, just trimmed, ready to be effective in the kingdom of God. So right now, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in mobilizing 24-7 church. And I speak a blessing over every single person. And I speak the love of God over every single person. And I thank you, Jesus, for calling every single one of us. And I thank you that you set us apart. And I thank you, Lord God, that you've done the work. And I thank you, Lord God, that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to finish this work as well, Lord. So thank you that you've taken care of everything. And I can just love you. Thank you, Lord. Let's just sing that as we end this morning.